world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard, fear no evil. Get yours today, only at LipstickBodyguard.com. It's one of those problems no one talks about, even though over half of us will suffer from it as we grow older. In addition to the physical discomfort, life-threatening and altering side effects, those affected must endure the emotional burdens of shame and embarrassment. For caregivers, it adds to the psychological and physical burdens of caregiving and is one of the single greatest risk factors for nursing home placement, hospitalization and death. This week on Parents Are Hard to Raise, Diane tackles the delicate subject of incontinence. Welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert Diane Berardi. I've been receiving a lot of emails um, about worrying about your mom or dad's urinary incontinence or um, getting mom or dad to wash or change their depends or, you know, the smell in the house. So, um, and some people are like, I'm at the end of my rope. What do I do? So I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'm going to try to uh, tell you, you know, some ideas that I have and explain a few things, but I'll tell you about the two instances I had kind of in relation to that this week. So I got a call from a daughter whose mom has Alzheimer's and, um, you know, her dad's been taking care of her. He doesn't want any help, et cetera. You know, and she said, my mom isn't getting washed and she's sitting there and there's a smell in the house because she's not getting changed, you know, not getting bathed, et cetera. So I went out, um, to, you know, to visit her mom and dad um, with a nurse fr from the home care service um, as well, because her dad finally agreed, you know, to have some help. And so he let us in. Uh, it's been so cold here uh, in the Northeast. So he let us in through the garage, I guess, just, you know, so we didn't have to walk to the front door. And so we walk into the garage and he has this clothesline, you know, with um, disposable, the disposable diapers, you know, and, and, and briefs they're hanging on the line, you know? And so, you know, the nurse and I look at each other and we're like, I, I said to him, you're not reusing these, are you? <laughs> I am trying to be very, you know, nice and diplomatic, but, and, and he looks at me cause he's thinking, oh, you know, oh no. So he says, oh no, I'm just drying them out before I put them in the garbage. So I just dry them so I don't put them in the garbage wet, you know, so we kind of, we know that's not what he's doing. So, uh, you know, the nurse and I are, are, say to him, well, you know, 
you can't be, yeah, you, you don't even have to do that. We said, just put them in, you know, you have a, a bag, those plastic bags, just throw them in those and then put them out in the garbage. You don't even have to dry them to re, to, to, uh, before you put them in the garbage because, you know, it, you're not reusing them. That's good because, you know, they're full of bacteria and they're wet and they're, you, you, they're not meant to do that. Yeah, yeah, I just wash them out in the sink, he says, and then put them out there. And we're like, well, you don't even, you don't need to wash them before you throw them away. And we know he's reusing them. And I had some emails from people saying, you know, that we, we buy a package of, you know, we have packages of the disposable briefs and diapers and they reuse them you know and I I suppose it's that generation you know because they save everything they reuse everything but you know that is a problem so we we try to explain the problem to him without accusing him of doing that even though that's what we know he was doing you know we're saying that's no good she, you know she's going to get an infection she's and she does the daughter said she has frequent urinary tract infections and you know now you wonder why of course we told the daughter you know but we tried to explain it to him in a way that hopefully he won't be doing that and you know obviously the um he's going to be getting some help so we'll have eyes in the home and the home health aide will be telling him and the nurse so we can keep an eye on that I also visited one of my clients who his wife has Alzheimer's and, you know, he takes care of her. And I went to see him a few days before Christmas. And, um, yeah, I noticed she has a little cut, you know, above her eye. And I'm like, what, what happened? And he said, oh, you know, she's been falling lately. You know, she's not herself. And, and I, I, I'm saying to him, well, did you call the doctor? You know, did you take her to the doctor? Because, she, you know, the first thing I think of with Alzheimer's, and obviously I'm not a physician, but the first thing I think of when you notice that uh, they're not themselves or they're falling or, you know, they're, they're not walking right or they're agitated, you know, I always think of the urinary tract infection. You know, that's one of the first things I think about. And I said to him, did you take her to the doctor? You know, let's see, you know, she might have a urinary tract infection. No, you know, I don't think so because, you know, Sharon changes her. You know, that's his, his home health aid. And she's here, you know, and she gives her water to drink and she drinks for her and blah, blah, blah. I said, yes, I know. But, you know, she's only here five hours a day and, you you know, you're with her the rest of the time. And Lois gives you, you know, a problem when you're trying to change her or, you know, she could have a urinary tract infection. <clears throat> No, I think she's okay, okay. I said, you really need to call her doctor. So, of course, you know, I get a call that she did fall on Christmas Eve, and she went to the emergency room, and they wanted to keep her overnight. And they kept her because they were concerned about, they wanted to make sure that uh, she didn't break anything or whatever. And they, I, I said to him, did they check her, you know, for a urinary tract infection? And they hadn't until... You know, her husband finally asked them to do that. And, you know, the emergency room physician didn't think of it. You know, he's not trained in geriatrics. That's not, I, I, I you know, I don't know. But anyway, it wound up she did have a urinary tract infection. And then what happens is, so she's in the hospital and she's in bed and she's there for three, four days and they're giving her medication because she's agitated and she she's doesn't know where she is you know she's an Alzheimer's patient so it's scary and so they're they want to calm her down so now 
she can't walk. You know, when she, she gets out of bed, she's not able to stand. She's not able to walk. So now they have to send her to rehab. So it's this whole cycle. So uh, you, you, you need to, you know, that's something I, I always say with Alzheimer's. You know, if you notice just something slight, you know, a slight difference in their behavior, just, you know, you can take them to the doctor. You never know. It could be a urinary, something as simple as a urinary tract infection. Um, also, you know, when you have mom and dad and dad's taking care of mom, and it could be the other way around, mom taking care of dad. But, you know, in these two instances, the dads are tired, you know, and they're, they just want everything, you know, the, the, the person that they're caring for probably can sense that frustration, you know, or that agi- they're agitated and they're rushed and they're frustrated and they, they're doing the best they can, but they certainly do need more help. They do. So um, how can you help them? You know, maybe you can't be there all the time or you can't help them. Maybe they don't listen to you, you know, which is possible. Um, you know, you can suggest things and they don't listen to you because you're their children. Um, you know, in certain instances, children, maybe you can help financially or maybe you can help, you know, maybe you can be there. Maybe you can give them a break. Maybe there's a friend, there's a neighbor, somebody who can sit with, um, the other person or take the person, the caregiver and take them out, you know, take them out and get just for some relaxation because they both need help. They both need a break. So urinary incontinence, you know, it it isn't a disease. It's a symptom. It's an indicator that something's not right. And Probably in one of the first uh, few episodes, we talked about those geriatric syndromes, and urinary incontinence is one of them that's listed. And those geriatric syndromes are, you know, those multiple conditions or symptoms that are common in the elderly. They're linked with a decline in their physical, social, and social functioning. They're linked with an increase in, you know, your parents' frailty, and they have a, a decrease in their quality of life. So urinary incontinence, it can be temporary. So we say, you know, watch the foods. Maybe it could be due to certain foods they eat, you know, citrus fruits. In the summer, a lot of watermelon, you know, um, high uh, foods high in, in spice or sugar or acidity, drinks, alcohol, caffeine, carbonated drinks. Certain medications can cause um, urinary incontinence, you know, blood pressure medications, heart medications, sedatives, muscle relaxants. Maybe they're taking a larger dose of vitamin B or C vitamins. Urinary incontinence can be caused by urinary tract infections. So their bladder's irritated, and you know that's a sh- they have a stronger urge to urinate. They have a burning sensation, foul-smelling urine. They can be confused. You know, it, they can be confused. Your parent can be confused, and you don't realize that's what it is. They have a urinary tract infection because in the elderly, the symptoms aren't always the same as they are in younger people. Now, in a dementia patient, an Alzheimer's patient, they're agitated. They could they could fall. They could be lethargic. They have a decrease in their appetite. They're not mo- they're not as mobile as they are. So those are uh, changes to notice. 
They persistent urinary incontinence, you know, that's exhibited in persons with neurological disorders, Parkinson's, MS, stroke, because that um, those neurological disorders can interfere with nerve signals involved in bladder control, causing the urinary incontinence. You know, people with um, later stages of Alzheimer's often have the problems of urinary incontinence because they don't realize when they need to go to the bathroom or they forget to go or they can't find the toilet. They can't find the bathroom. So one thing, you know, one thing that people don't realize, the complications of chronic urinary incontinence, obviously you have the risk of repeated urinary tract infections. And, you know, most of those reoccurrences are thought to be represented by reinfection of the bacteria. So those incontinent products, those diapers, those briefs that are throwaways, they have to be changed regularly and they have to be thrown away. <laughs> and you don't have to dry them out to throw them away. Um, and also, we don't think about it, but another complication of chronic urinary incontinence are skin problems. So how does the incontinence affect the skin? Exposure to the urine is one of the most common causes of skin breakdown. That urine will destroy the skin tissue, and it makes the skin more susceptible to being waterlogged, they, you know, it's called maceration, but it's, it's soft and it breaks down and it's due to overexposure to moisture. So it's actually waterlogged. So the skin's very fragile and because it's fragile, it's easier to be damaged. It can be damaged by friction, by pressure, you know, even the diapers or washcloths, gentle, even the gentle rubbing of bed sheets can cause injury. So that urinary incontinence can also cause incontinent dermatitis, diaper rash. It can cause the bac bacteria to grow and become infected because the incontinence allows the skin surface to come in contact with the bacteria from the urine. And, you know, the in the elderly, the skin may be dry already. So the dry skin is a breeding ground for the bacteria growth. The organism's get absorbed through the skin cracks. If left alone in a conducive environment, bacteria can literally double in number every 20 minutes. And when we come back, we'll talk more about what the urinary incontinence can do to skin. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only 5 feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her 6 foot 4, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. 
inside this innocent looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000 pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. You're listening to Parents Are Hard To Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Quatro anos de contrato com 20 anos de raça Meu dinheiro I want to welcome our new listeners from Brazil, namely Santo Andrea, Sao Paulo, and Rio de Janeiro. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so happy that you're listening. So we were talking about um, how urinary incontinence affects the skin. Um, another problem that urinary incontinence causes with the skin is uh, there's a caustic agent in urine and that's ammonia. And so ammonia is used by bacteria as a source of nutrition. So it reproduces more microorganisms. Ammonia also increases the pH of the skin causing irritation. So the cycle just goes on and on. Also urinary uh, tract infections they can cause fungal infections because there's a damp, warm environment. So it's ideal for fungus to grow. And, you know, if there's a, a, if the skin has a rash and it's fiery red, it itches, it burns, it's usually of fungal origin. So it, requiring an antifungal to heal, obviously, you know, you have to see your your mom or dad has to see their doctor. So how do we maintain healthy skin, control odor, and provide comfort. Well, most importantly, um, they're all important, but we have to change those products. That's why we, that's why they have those disposable products, you know, to avoid, uh, that excess wetness. Um, you know, I can guarantee there's a lot of people washing those and, and reusing those products. So, um, Sometimes, you know, I'll tell my mother or father if there's something that I want them to do, but they're not going to do it because, number one, it's not because only I'm suggesting it. It's because they're going to do what they want to do. So, for instance, if they're going to reuse that product, if they're going to wash it in the sink or and then hang it to dry and reuse it, um, they're going to do it. But sometimes I'll say, oh, my gosh, did you hear about... <laughs> what happened to so-and-so's mother, you know, and I'll, and I'll say, you know, she was rewashing these things and she got, you know, there's some kind of chemical in there if you wash it in, if you wash it in, you know, whatever. And it, it causes this or that. I mean, because sometimes I try things like that. Sometimes it does work. Um, you know, 
you have to kind of, you know, without causing harm, try to do what works. Because sometimes, you know, you can obviously try the logical thing and say you can't be rewashing these. But, you know, I, with a lot of people, that isn't going to work. So you have to change those products. You also, they have to wash. They have to be cleaned properly. They have to be cleaned, you know, after... They have to be changed as soon as they urinate, and they have to be cleaned, and they have to use gentle, effective cleansers. So, um, for instance, the uh, Aloe Vesta Perineal Skin Cleanser, that's one, because it's it's gentle, and it, it will remove the urine from the skin without scrubbing. Because, you know, washcloths can cause friction and you know, can cause injury. Um, these, for instance, these type of skin cleansers, they're non-irritating, they'll eliminate the odor, and they contain aloe vera gel, so they're non-drying. <clears throat> Some of these cleansers contain ingredients to help moisturize and avoid drying. Some of the cleansers require rinsing after use. Some don't, um, like Tina wash cream. That's designed for um, typically for bed bathing, you know, and that's made to use without rinsing because it, you know, it's easier to bathe someone in the bed and not have to rinse. But if you're going to get a, a no rinse product, just make sure they're alcohol free um, because the, the alcohol, you know, dries, dries out. So you also want to condition and protect the skin. So um, products that condition, you know, th th that's fine. They moisturize, but you want to provide adequate protection, protection from that continuous mo exposure to moisture, the friction, the dryness, the bacteria. So you want to get barrier ointments and creams. They also come in sprays because they'll not only condition, but they'll protect the skin. Um, the skin... Um, the barrier sprays are good because you you don't have to, um, you know, rub them on or, or do anything. You can just spray them on. But the ointment, the creams, they're designed specifically to perform a, pro provide a protective coating on the skin, and it minimizes the skin's contact with urine and perspiration. So they provide that barrier, even perspiration. Um, they have a product, Aloe Vesta protect Protective Ointment. So it provides friction reducing barrier between the skin even the diapers the bed sheets um and as i said it's good to get the spray because you don't have to you know you don't have to do any kind of rubbing on already fragile skin <clears throat> you want to keep the skin dry so the best prevent prevention against incontinence keeping the skin dry and those those disposable products, one of the, the better ones to get, they have a soft top sheet that goes right next to the skin and then an absorbent core that quickly wicks the moisture away and traps it. And then it keeps the skin dry. Now, if, if, you, you're, um, if you're with your mom or dad, you know, um, if you have a caregiver, if you're, you can your mom is taking care of your dad or your dad's taking care of your mom, there's certain things, you know, that you can, you can also do. Um, a good suggestion is, you know, if you can take your mom or dad, you know, to the bathroom uh, 
even every hour before they have to go, you, if, if they, you can take them to, if there's someone there and you can take them. Because this way you allow them to go and they're not going in, in, in the diaper. Um, obviously watch what they eat and drink, you know, the caffeine, the tea, um, carbonated beverages, coffee. Um, you don't want to limit their water, though. You still want them to drink. Um, also, one thing that's uh, helpful is, you know, if you if your mom and dad, you know, if your mom, you know, is on the toilet, let them urinate and let them just sit there. And then you wait and they'll be able to probably urinate again. So they trying to we're trying to empty their bladder. Um, also, if you can, I don't know with, you know, your parent, how, how far their incontinence is, but they, they, there is that bladder training where you can try to delay them urinating. If you, if you, they feel the urge to urinate and if they can wait 10 minutes and kind of train their bladder to wait a little bit longer, that's, um, another helpful tip. So I hope these tips were helpful. Um, and please, if you have any, any, you know, additional questions or I didn't hit on something, please don't um, hesitate uh, on any questions about, you know, urinary incontinence. Um, you know, the generation we're talking about, they're so used to, you know, they didn't have disposables. So, you know, we, we, we wore regular diapers as kids, you know, where they wash them. So they got, go right back to what they know and what they did. Um, and they, they kind of don't understand the, or they, they think it's a waste, a disposable. So they're going to get, you know, extra use out of it. But, you know, those diapers, they have that, that polymer substance that turns to gel when the urine hits it. And then, you know, they're not going to work again, but, um, we can try explaining that to them. Uh, you know, you how about you bring in a big carton of disposable diapers and say, look what fell off a truck. <laughs> I don't know. We can try. We have to just think of, you know, whatever we can think of to help, <laughs> but keep those emails coming. So Medicare penalized a group of 751 hospitals for patient injuries. So the federal government um, reported this past Thursday that they lowered a year's worth of Medicare payments to 751 hospitals to penalize them for having the highest rates of patient injuries. And, um, you know, it's uh, this program is designed as a financial incentive for hospitals to avoid infections and other mishaps, such as blood clots and bed sores. That's a mishap. I don't know, but the penalties fell heavily on teaching hospitals. The 115 penalized academic medical centers on 115. Wow. The penalties have been controversial, obviously, from the beginning. The hospital industry says they're unfairly being punished because um, the teaching hospitals, they're treating sicker patients and those that do a better job of identifying infections and other patient complications are being penalized. Of course, patient advocates say these penalties will be a valuable prod to make hospital executives consider more than their bottom lines. So, and they're also saying that the program has been very instrumental in focusing hospitals on the problems of patient safety and improved quality. 
So for all the penalized hospitals, the reductions will retroactively apply to Medicare payments from the beginning of the federal fiscal year, which was in October, and through the end of September 2018. So Medicare will cut by 1% its payments for each patient's stay, as well as the amount of money hospitals get to teach medical residents and to care for low-income people. The total amount for each hospital depends on how much they end up billing Medicare. The factors considered in the Hospital Acquired Condition Reduction Program include rates of infections from hysterectomies, colon surgeries, urinary tract catheters, and central line tubes inserted into veins. Remember, we had said there are, these are um, hospital-acquired infections. It also encompasses rates of MRSA and C. diff. Medicare also takes into account the frequency of 10 types of hospital injuries, including bed sores, hip fractures, blood clots, sepsis, and post-surgical wound ruptures. Wow. Together, these kind of potentially avoidable events are known as hospital-acquired conditions. Several hospitals are excluded from being considered for penalties, and those are psychiatric hospitals, veterans, and children's. And finally, I talk too much for my survival tip of the week, massage your ears. Simple, effective, and only takes a few minutes. Gently rub your earlobes with your thumb and index finger. Then squeeze the outer edges of your ears from bottom to top. These parts of your ears have reflex points that relax specific areas of your body. <laughs> well, I'm going to try that later. <laughs> if this week's show was helpful to you or you know someone who would be helped, please tell them about it. Ask them to subscribe to the show using iTunes. You can find links to the topics we just talked about in the show notes for today's episode, episode 40 at parentsarehardtoraise.org. I'm here to help you, so please keep those emails coming in. If there's something you're struggling with, I'll try my best to include them in a future show. Email me at diane at parentsarehardtoraise.org. You can reach me through my website, dianeberardi.com. You can follow me on Facebook at Parents Are Hard to Raise Podcast, and I tweet at Jersey Elder Care. Parents Are Hard to Raise is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music LLC, New York, New York, under license of Broadcast Music Incorporated. Please remember, like us on Facebook, and please rate us on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play. That helps other people find us. Thank you so much for listening. See you again next week. <laughs>